As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic's Football GM Podcast. And now, The Athletic's Mike Sando and former NFL executive of the year, Randy Muir. Hey, welcome everybody to this off-season edition of the Football GM Podcast. Mike Sando here, senior writer from The Athletic, along with the GM, Randy Mueller. Randy, great to be here. Great to be back together. Yeah, I'm excited to talk a little football in the middle of June. Uh, got some action going on, so it's good to visit about that. And yeah, I guess there's never a dull moment as we wind down a little bit of an off season. It sounds like July will be the only part of the off season uh, we won't be talking about. So let's hope that happens. It's a busy time on the sports calendar. Hopefully, we don't get hit by a bottle or any <laughs> yeah. you know, fans come after us during the uh, during the show. But uh, we got NBA playoffs. We got NHL playoffs. We had that wild U.S. men's national team soccer victory over Mexico. That's the reference to the bottle flying. If you haven't seen that, check it out. Scary stuff. Big time. I watched golf over the weekend. The U.S. Women's Open was dramatic down to the end. And of course, amid all of that, the NFL just steals the show like it always does. You know, it just hogs uh, bandwidth. And rightfully so. With the, with the Julio Jones trade from the Atlanta Falcons to the Tennessee Titans, we've got a lot to talk about. So we want to hit on that today. We've we've got some Aaron Rodgers stuff percolating. We've got uh, people kind of maybe not forgotten about Deshaun Watson, but that's lurking there too. We have some thoughts on that as well. So, Randy, let's dive into this Julio Jones situations off the top. A situation off the top. I'll recap. Um, so the Falcons trade Julio Jones and a 2023 six-round pick to the Titans for a 2022 second-round pick and a 2023 fourth-rounder. In exchange for all that, the Falcons don't have to pay the 32-year-old Julio Jones $38 million over the next three years. The Titans will. Um, what are your kind of initial thoughts on this one, Randy? It caused quite a storm on a Sunday. Yeah, I think it caused a little storm because it you know took front and center and had been talked about for so long. I didn't find a lot of surprise in, in what ended up happening. And I guess my one takeaway of somewhat surprise was that it was Tennessee and they only had 3.5 million in cap room. So I didn't suspect that they would be big players in this just because of the cap, but they obviously have some, some cap gymnastics up their sleeve now and going to have to make room for a, 
what, 15, $16 million contract from Julio Jones coming their way. So I guess that surprised me a little bit. I mean, this has been on and percolating since, uh, oh, I went back and did some research. I think it was April 27th when Terry Fontenot sat down and first discussed this. And from then on, I think GMs knew this Julio Jones was available. They kind of uh, were posturing as to how it would happen, but they knew that the Falcons would have to do something and really, let's face it, blame it on the cap. Nobody wants to get rid of a Julio Jones type talent, but they they uh, they were stuck with a cap situation when the new regime came to Atlanta that made it hard. It was going to be hard, especially having to choose between Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. They elected to choose Matt Ryan by redoing his contract and it put him up against it with Julio Jones. So I think Julio uh, became the odd man out. Um, like you said, it's it's been talked about. He went on, uh, what was it, Fox uh, Live TV with uh, Shannon Sharp and said, I'm out of here. That, again, to <laughs> me, was not a surprise. I mean, I felt that was coming. I think that maybe was his way of saying, I get it, I get it, I'm out of here. But, you know, I don't think that surprised any NFL GMs. They have they had known for, like I said, since the 27th of April, he was going to be available. So probably ended up being a, a good situation for both teams, and everybody made the best of uh you know, what a bad situation the cap had created or somebody who decided to uh, manage Atlanta's cap in that way. That's for sure. I love, though, how the cap always gets used. Like, you know, hey, oh, the yeah, cap is yeah. why. And then the, the team that acquires them doesn't have a lot of cap room <laughs> themselves. So right. you can really use that cap. It's, it is a real thing. It sets real constraints and it does influence how you act. But it doesn't really always stop you from doing what you wanted to do. It just gives you good reason. Hey, the cap. I remember, granted, we go back to maybe 20 years uh, when, uh, you know, you had built a fairly competitive team in Seattle and then Mike Holmgren came in and we, uh, we liked Mike, but it, for two years it was, oh, this cap, you know, we've got a, but he just really wanted to build the team how <laughs> yeah. he wanted to, which is what everybody does. Yeah. So the cap, right. you know, the cap made me do it, right. but it was a real situation for Atlanta. And I think we'll get into what yep. it means for the Falcons and their overall plan, you know, how this does or doesn't make sense. But first, I think the initial, uh, you know, impact of a move like this uh, is just the excitement if you're a Titans fan, excuse me, if you're a Titans fan over, hey, we got Julio Jones, right? I mean, everyone knows, right. everyone watches the ball. Most people do. The, the TV cameras watch the ball uh, uh, during a football game. And so you see Julio Jones. You, everyone knows how great Julio Jones is. And we have now the possibility of the Titans putting out <coughs> on the field Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, and Derrick Henry at the same time, which sounds pretty good. And oh, by the way, the $15 million salary for Julio Jones fits fits comfortably inside the slot that would have existed for Corey Davis, their top five drafted receiver, had right. they picked up his fifth-year option, which they did. So let's just talk about the football impact of this. Do they – are they your favorite, you know, to win the division? Are they going to go deeper in the playoffs? What do you think of them just adding Julio Jones? Well, I think it's definitely Julio Jones was going to fit in any offense wherever yeah. he ended up. That's for sure. And I'm not going to sit here and, and pick apart his career or where he's at at age 32. I think he brings a set of skills and, and assets that is hard to find in this league. And you can you can say, yeah, a guy's older. You don't know how long he's going to be healthy. But I know to this point, and I believe this number is still correct. You can put in your back pocket 95 yards per game receiving yards every time he walks on the field. That's his career number, which I think is insane. That's a yeah. pretty good guarantee, right? I'm taking that 95 every Sunday and rolling Julio Jones out there. So I think probably it's a good move for Tennessee from the standpoint of 
they, they're trying to open things up a little bit there. They're trying to evolve their offense into more of a battering ram with, with Henry, the, the running back. This does that. I think one under the radar move that they've accompanied this with is Josh Reynolds, the receiver that they signed in the offseason uh, from the Rams. I think he kind of comes without a bunch of fanfare. And and really now you add Julio to A.J. Brown. And like you said, uh, a group of, of guys who I think – no wonder Tannehill was yeah, so yeah. happy yesterday, right? I mean, I saw the clips on social media. He was celebrating like it was – you know, a birthday party for, for one of his kids. So I, I understand that. And I think it's going to be fun to watch. Does this put them at the top? I don't know. I'm not ready to say that. I think Indianapolis is still the team to beat. Maybe that's because I have more faith in Carson Wentz and the turnaround that I think he will have under Frank Wright. So I'm not ready to put Tennessee at the top of the list, but I do think it's a two-team race. And it, in a division that for me is not one of the better divisions. Let's just face it. I don't think Jacksonville is going to be competing, and I don't think tennis or uh, Texans will be in the mix without Deshaun Watson quite yet. So uh, I guess time will tell. I think it's a good move for Tennessee, though, provided they don't for mortgage so much cap in the future. And again, I'm kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop because they've got to create some cap. It's funny in my little email inbox, I always get these uh, you know things from gambling sites and what the odds are, you know, and all that. So this just popped in. This morning, um, that Tennessee has dropped from a forty to one to twenty five to one shot for, I guess, the Super Bowl since acquiring Julio Jones. So we'll see uh, what type of impact it has. But it's got people talking, and I mean, I think we uh, sometimes underestimate just the role that hope and activity plays uh, for a franchise, right? I mean, now for the next five months. Hey, it's exciting to see what the Titans are going to do, right? If you're in Nashville or if you're uh, if you're them, um, you've got some buzz about you after what could have looked like a tough off season. You lose Arthur Smith, you know, you you lose uh, Johnu Smith, right? The tight end. You had some Corey Davis. Well, you weren't going to pay him. I mean, you still probably would have liked to have had him. They have felt like to me a team that was sort of uh, getting worse, and maybe they still are. But I think this changes the narrative for them for the off season and, and teams do that. So um, yet at the same time, Randy, they've had some misses. I mean, Javian Clowney was a yeah. bad signing. Vic Beasley was a bad signing. Do you sense desperation at all in this move? I think there's a little bit of that. I think it's a good point. I think there is a little desperation. And, and again, it's a bit of a comeback against some of the negative first round picks that they've had recently, whether it's not picking up fifth year options or, last year's offensive lineman who was a total bust and that doesn't happen in this day and age. So they've got to recover from that a little bit. I do see some unknowns still. Like you said, they've got a new offensive coordinator. I think that that what they found was teams ganging up on them in the box more than anything else. And that's to stop the run. And I think they feel like the addition of Julio will will uh, make a little more room in that box for Derrick Henry to run. So I think more than anything, that's probably the crux behind it all. They're going to get more cover two. They're going to get more two high safeties now because um, they have to respect Julio Jones, provided he's healthy and and doing what he's done over the course of his career. So I think it changes the way people defend them a little bit to, to keep That's it interesting the to me anyway. because they've been so run heavy and obviously Baltimore has too. And, and so people want them to add receivers, but it's hard to change your stripes, right? And who you are. And I think Tennessee is probably in better position to do that. Um, by adding Julio Jones and Baltimore will be. I think those are two just sort of interesting teams that have played each other uh, in the AFC. They're both trying to kind of 
expand and take a, another step um, and get better. And we'll see if this does that for them. And I've, I've been critical of Tennessee too. You know, I, I maybe a little overly so earlier this offseason with, with their draft and taking chances. But they haven't had a losing season since John Robinson's been here. They're the only team in the division that's above 500, 47 and 33. You take that every day. They've actually gotten a league high 489 starts uh, since Robinson's been there from draft picks in the first three rounds. So it hasn't, it, they're not a dumpster fire by any means. I mean, I think, you know, I think no, this, no, I uh, agree. if I'm them, I'm, I'm selling this by saying, this makes us more competitive. I mean, you're, you're always looking for opportunities. Look, we could have, we could have exercised the option on Corey Davis and you guys might not be killing us as much, but we'd better have Julio Jones. And I get that at age 32. In fact, I was looking Julio Jones, who I am worried about him a little bit with his health and his age, but he's played 135 games in his career, Randy. So I went into the pro football reference vault. You can actually look at slices Mm -hmm. of careers. And I was wondering, okay, he's played 135 (laughs) games. So games 136 to 169 are really the next 34 games, which now is two seasons, 17 games, right? See the math I did there. Um, And I I just looked at In that game range for receivers, do guys produce at a high level? And some really familiar names really have. I mean, uh, that's an early 90s Jerry Rice. That's a mid-2000s Terrell Owens. That's a Andre Johnson in his last two or three uh, really productive seasons. It's Marvin Harrison in the mid-2000s. It's Steve Smith 10 years ago. Other guys, Tim Brown, Steve Largent, Randy Moss, Joey Galloway, Ed McCaffrey, Irving Fryer, they've all put up good numbers in that range. So I think he really does have a window here of two or three seasons. And then you see it really probably go off of a cliff. So, you know, they're they're buying old, but you're not buying five or six years. You, you just need two good years from this guy. And I think he can do that. Thus, they, they, they were able to get him for a second-round pick, and that's why I think the Falcons didn't receive a first-round pick that they were asking for from day one, I think because of just what you said. I think there's going to be some production the next two or three years, and then that's probably where the drop-off happens. I think the one thing this does, it, sure, it excites a fan base in Tennessee, but it also excites your locker room a little bit. As a GM, I always wanted to find ways to keep the locker room tuned in, and these expectations now that come with Julio Jones, come with his reputation, come with what he brings to the table excitement-wise, I think it's helpful in the locker room. I think you've got their attention now. These players know that, and, and nothing wrong with expectations being ratcheted up. I think they know and they believe that they have a chance to go win the division now and then get in the tournament at the end of the year. And I think they think to Julio Jones, hey, that's exciting for players. That's exciting for coaches. That's exciting for the people inside the building as much as it is outside. I know. I was actually uh, on the phone with a coach on a different team in that division this past week, and we were talking about things in passing, and he goes, uh, he's like, man, I sure hope that Julio doesn't come to Tennessee. You know, the stuff was starting to come out. You know, that's just how people think. So I'm with you on that. I mean, I think think in their locker room, it could have been a down off season, and people are looking around, hey, what are we doing? I think now more than ever, those narratives take hold, Randy, right? We have social media. These guys are all talking. They're all friends on each other's team. It's not like, it's not like A.J. Brown doesn't like the guy on the Texans. No, these guys are buddies. Right. And so they're talking about, hey, what are you guys doing? Ah, shoot, we lost. We didn't re-sign Corey Davis. Right. John Smith left. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now they're talking about, we got Julio. And so. I think some franchises welcome this. Others kind of run away from those expectations. Uh, another team that was rumored in this in this Julio Jones scenario was this LA Chargers. 
They're, they seem to me like a team that kind of runs from the expectations. They really yeah. don't want to take that next step sometimes to put themselves out there. At least John Robinson is taking a swing, right? He's not putting the bat on his shoulder and just building it completely through the draft. He's taking some swings and, and trying to get better and, and actually now has put a little window on his franchise of the next two or three years yep. to try to have a shelf life that, hey, let's make this go. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, so we've covered this thing, Randy, from the Titans' perspective. We can kind of see the ups and downs. It's obviously a shorter-term move, but teams make those moves. They have their reasons. Um, from a Falcon standpoint, I think they're really interesting to me because we try to sort of read into where teams are at in their evolution. Sometimes it's really easy to see. You have Jacksonville. I mean, they're taking a quarterback number one overall. They're they're uh, they're building for the long term, and if they're great this year or not isn't really part of the equation with the Falcons. They do have a new coach. They do have a new GM, but they also decided to kind of keep Matt Ryan and and they gave him $20 million and redid his deal, which I think some people thought, you know, showed that they're trying to be competitive now and win now. And then on the other hand, you're trading away Julio Jones, who could help you win now. Um, And so I think there's some confusion over what exactly they're doing. What's your optics on that? I have some thoughts, but I'm just kind of curious if if this move makes sense from a Falcon standpoint to you. It definitely makes sense. I think this is a case, a classic case for me of you got to play the hand you're dealt, right? They've got a new coach, a new GM, and everybody thinks that on paper it's easy to make a rebuild. Here's what we need to do. Let's make a list of four or five things we have to do to rebuild this franchise. Well, great, but here's the hand we've been dealt. We don't have a, we don't get to pick our five cards out of the deck, right? It's been dealt to us. So I think they're in a little bit of a treading water 
perspective for me. You know, they, they made the decision, like we alluded to earlier, to keep Matt Ryan. That made Arthur Smith happy. He wanted a veteran quarterback. Most of us think that there's another two or three years left in him. Understandable. The Julio Jones thing was going to be always hard because of the cap ramifications that they were forced to swallow, right? They made, I think, the best move they can make with everybody knowing that they had limited leverage. I think that's the key for Terry Fontenot and the Falcons. And and again, like we said, he he was able to kind of blame this a little bit on the cap, so to speak. But he he managed this message <clears throat> going way back to the draft <clears throat> the the draft window in that he knew he let the fans know that this was going to happen, right? So they had plenty of time to digest this. And I don't think the Falcons are going to be criticized in Atlanta for making this move just because of the fact that they were prepared. Nobody was shocked. The media wasn't made to look bad. They knew it was all coming. So everybody understood it. I think they're in a spot now where they're going to be competitive, but I don't think they're in a spot where they could totally rebuild their team. Everybody thought that they needed to draft a quarterback. Well, they didn't think there was a quarterback worth picking it for. That's the number with, one thing, Randy. Yeah. That's like the, the key linchpin of this whole thing. And no one else thought yeah. Justin Fields should go fourth overall either. They let him go out right. of the top 10. But if you're if you're doing this in a vacuum and, and to, to fantasy footballers out there, they think you should just draft a quarterback because everybody says he's that's the best way to rebuild. Well, they didn't think he was worth drafting fourth or they would have picked him. That's the whole thing. They picked Pitts, the receiver, tight end, who I think is going to be a great cog for whoever the quarterback is going forward. And in the meantime, he's going to help Matt Ryan right now. I know. We're, people are like, hey, the, you needed to take Justin Fields. Okay, wait a minute. The one team's quarterback evaluation we're supposed to trust is Chicago. Now, I'm not right. nothing against Justin Fields, but no, they're the team that evaluated him. All these other teams, whether it was Atlanta, you know, whether it was Carolina, I know they had done Darnold, but they could have been in the mix. Whether it was uh, uh, Denver, right? I mean, there were there were a bunch of teams that could have been in the Justin Fields realm, and so to, to me, to criticize the Falcons, look. They, they could end up being wrong. Fields could be amazing, but that wasn't the consensus view in the NFL. He was the fourth quarterback available in the draft. So once you make that evaluation, sticking with Matt Ryan, especially when getting rid of him would kill your cap even more, yeah. to me, makes perfect sense. Unless they were going to move him after June 1, but that would have got messy. And to yes. me, the evaluation has to drive it on some level. No doubt. I think it's all about the evaluations, to be honest with you. Anytime you, you take on the reins of rebuilding a franchise, it's all about the evaluations. It's not about what makes sense on paper, cap-wise, uh, uh, yeah. replacement parts, uh, cost for you know analytics and all this stuff. It's really about your evaluations and the, and the conviction you have for, one, keeping the guys that you think are important, and two, adding to it. And that's where it's got to fit together. And I think the Falcons are just going to have to take some time to do it. It's going to take a couple years. Let's face it. It's not yeah. going to happen overnight. This was a team built ready to win two or three years ago. It didn't happen. So there's going to be some tweaking of it. It doesn't mean you wash all the parts out with the bathwater. You know, you've got to keep some parts available to you. So you've got to play the hand you're dealt. And I think they've done as good a job yeah. right now with that as, they've, they, as they could have. And if you're them, it's a bad contract for Julio. They kept kicking the can down the road. Yeah. He's been hurt. He's not. He's only going to get less valuable. He's not going to have some thing. And then the other thing is you're going to pay Calvin Ridley because you hit on him in the draft. He's going to be a top receiver contract coming up in the next mm -hmm. year or two. And then you've got uh, – you just drafted Pitts, Kyle Pitts, in the top five of the draft, and everybody loves him. I mean, he was a consensus guy that everybody thought – I mean, you'd be shocked if he's a bad player. Right. So you're going to have these two great weapons. 
Um, hopefully you can coach up your offensive line. They've got some, they've had some talent up there that they haven't really gotten the most out of, but if you can coach that up, maybe the scheme helps them with the play action they're building or whatever. Uh, you could have the foundation for something. And if you move on from Matt Ryan in two years, that's fine too. I mean, yeah. he's not going to play forever, but you didn't have to just force an evaluation on and draft Mac Jones or Dustin Fields to right. win the off season so that everyone can go, Oh, I see what they're doing. Right. <laughs> it's not really I think how you're right. Goes. And I think throw that gauge kid in the mix as well. He's another receiver that they're very comfortable with. He's shown some signs of being able to be sudden and get away from coverage. So they've got some pieces. And again, that they, they added Mike Davis, the receiver. I mean, the, the running back from Carolina, who I think is a good player. And so they're not just washing out this season just by getting rid of Julio Jones. Everybody thinks, oh, it's a total rebuild. It just takes time to deal with the hand you've been dealt. I think this is a team that will continue to look for a quarterback for the next two or three years until they find it. It's not a secret. It just ha- doesn't have to be done right now because everybody's turning the page uh, in building a team again on paper. And it was hard to do because of that contract with Ryan. You would have really taken yeah. a huge hit, and so it was. It was you, you're dealt, you're, like you said, you're, you're you can only play the hands you're dealt, and it was a tough hand. I, they didn't have a real easy, clear path, and that's the reality of these jobs, Randy. Everyone has a theory on on Twitter about how yeah. they would build a team, <laughs> right. but you don't get to build a team. You get to take over the Falcons, and when you take yeah. over the Falcons, Arthur Blank wants to be competitive, right? right? Uh, Arthur Arthur Smith wants a guy who knows the playbook. And when you look around the league, why do you think some of these veteran quarterbacks get signed? Because the coach, the, yeah. the coach will go crazy. If you, and that, that's why Joe Flacco has a job, I promise you. Right. Right. It's not because anyone th- thinks he can play. It's because yeah. he can he can take a snap right now, and that gives the coach some some uh, peace of mind. So I think when you're when you're you're balancing all that as you come into organization as a GM, you don't get to just do whatever you want. You've got to take care of your coach, your owner, you're trying to be competitive, you got to have fans in the building. All of those things come in and make it a complicated deal. Speaking yeah. of well, I was ahead. just going to say, we've said this many times here before, playing a GM on social media or on TV is a little different than it is in reality. Just trust me. That's just not, <laughs> it's, it's a total different game, and you have so many moving parts that, yes, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I laud Terry Fontenot for making this move. I think it's a good move, and I think they're definitely headed in the right direction. Yeah, I think, that, I think moving him makes total sense, too. You had, you're going to do it at some point, and you get something in return. And by the way, uh, this a little tangent here. So I was talking to someone from a team, you know, they had, you know, that annual sort of scouting thing down in California. I don't think everyone goes to it, but a bunch of the teams were down there this past week or two. Uh, and they sort of, uh, they sort of. The hub, was it the hub football thing? Jean? Yeah, the hub football yeah. thing. Yeah. And the idea of this is teams kind of pool some resources. And I think there's some mm-hmm. independent scouts. And you, you really are looking at the, uh, who are, who should we be scouting at the college level in the 2022 draft, right? And of course the teams sort of know, but, but there's a number of players that are even scoutable, right? And I was talking to a guy from a front office the other day who said, um, because of COVID and all these guys went back into the draft, went back into college, didn't come into the draft, that there was like twice as many players in that discussion pool, it doesn't mean that they're all draftable, but the idea is there's going to be way more players people like in the 2022 draft than this last draft. And we talked about that, that that shelf was really early this year because everyone went back. Well, so if you're Atlanta now getting a two um, in the 2022 draft, that's more valuable than a two in the 2021 draft. 
Um, if it's true that there's going to be a lot more prospects, and who knows, maybe they move back and get a couple more picks. Maybe the, maybe the top 150 players are really good next year as opposed to 100. Do you buy that? Oh, it's definitely a better pool. Next year's draft will be much better quality, much deeper. And, I mean, we've said that from from the Jump Street. I think definitely it all is, will come together uh, next spring. But I think from a number standpoint, you've hit on it. I, I talked to one team who said they had like 200 players that they felt okay with this year when the process started. Next year, there'll be four or 500 players that they feel okay with when the process starts. And when I say start, teams start with a worksheet and then they end up crossing a lot of names off it and dividing it up as to what fits best for us. Just the whole process was down last year numbers-wise. Not only that, your valuations were shaky to start with because of COVID and the exposure you had. So I'd love to have picks next year. I think next year's draft could be an all-time great. Yep. So you get a second rounder there. Nice job. All right. We were going to talk about complicated situations and the Aaron Rodgers one just keeps providing <laughs> fodder. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. So so the Packers have a mandatory cap. That's sort of the moment of truth when Aaron Rodgers doesn't walk in the building and it, be, it takes it sort of escalates right uh, at that point. But ahead of that, I can't wait, Randy, to hear your take on Mark Murphy's comments, because. Mark Murphy um, is a dressing fan. Of the Packers. He's president yeah. of the Packers. He used to play DB in the league for Washington mm-hmm. um, a long time ago. Some really great uh, Washington teams. But uh, Mark Murphy is answering fan questions on uh, the Packers website like a mailbag thing. So, so see if this makes sense to you what, or what sense do you make out of this. So Ken, Packer fan Ken. I almost can't keep a straight face. You've done a great job. Don't let the bastards drag you down. This is talking to Murphy. (laughs) Washington needs a name. I suggest the generals. I have no idea how that question leads into the following answer. Yeah. Murphy replies, thanks, Ken. The situation we face with Aaron Rodgers has divided our fan base. The emails and letters that I've received reflect this fact. As I wrote here last month, we remain committed to resolving things with Aaron and want him to be our quarterback in 2021 and beyond. We are working to resolve the situation and realize that the less both sides say publicly, the better. With regard to the Washington football team, and then he goes on to something about the Washington Generals and the Harlem Globetrotters and what? Blah, blah, blah. Let me just insert blah, blah, blah. What in the (laughs) hell? Yeah. Yeah. Is this? Yeah. No, I hear you. I, I, none of it really made sense to me. I, uh, here's my take on it. And this may be my simplistic mind at work here. But <laughs> I took this from what Murphy said was his first attempt to sway public opinion the Packers way versus Aaron Rodgers way. I thought when he said our fan base is divided now under Aaron Rodgers, what, what fan base is he talking about? Are you talking to me that fans don't want Aaron Rodgers on their team? That's crazy. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. But I think it's an attempt to divide and conquer a little bit. I think I took it as he's starting to manage the message without Aaron Rodgers and place blame if we have to move him where that goes. His next comment would be, hey, we can't afford to have our fans divided. Our, our fan base is, you know, everything, everything. in the world to us. Yeah, it's everything. And now Aaron Rodgers has caused this fan 
uh, divide. We can't have that. So guess what? We may have to move him. He's like pointing the finger at the fans, so to speak, and getting them to take ownership in the fact that we may have to move Aaron Rodgers here at some point. I thought it was a veiled attempt, almost in, in insulting everybody's intelligence, that this was really a thing, right? That that the fan base is so divided now that, and again, I'm I'm surmising here that he's, his next statement is going to be that we might have to consider moving him so the fan base doesn't, you know, become yeah. uh, so unruly. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the team in this situation holds the important cards. I mean, they really do have a lot of control uh, over it, over what's going on as whether they move him or not. But I get the feeling that Rogers might be the better card player uh, <laughs> of the two with not as good of a hand, but he's still, he can determine whether, at least he can determine whether Aaron Rodgers plays for the Packers, which is, which right. does give him some power. So I don't know. Do you see this? I mean, you're I don't think he's going to be at at, at at the OTAs next week if that's where we're going with it. No, I mean, but I mean, do you think um, do you think they could you, if he's setting the table for this? Do you think he they could actually move him this year? I think what's going to happen is, and I'll, I'll say this: I think Aaron Rodgers is the biggest fan for Jordan Love right now. He's he's the ringleader, right? He's cheering that Jordan Love does good in all these mini camps, that he does great, and they have confidence in him because that helps grease the skids for him to get out of town. I don't think he'll show up for mini camp. Obviously, I don't think he'll show up for training camp. I think he's already decided that. I think the next question is, what vacation spot will we get the pictures from when training camp starts? The other part of it is, does his receiver show up for this OTA or not? The mandatory mini camp as we know that was, I mean, let's face it, yeah, that had to be orchestrated, right? The top five yep. receivers didn't come to the last camp. We'll see if they show up for this one. I mean, Funchess, the receiver, didn't play, hasn't played for two years, and now all of a sudden he can't use a mini camp to kind of yeah. re-indoctrinate himself to the to the uh, Packers' ways. So that that clearly to me was a, a planned event. Um, I think he's going to sit and just see what happens. Let let the cards fall where they may. See how this season progresses. Let hey, you want Jordan Love? Play him. That's fine. Start the season with him. And I think a, a, a Jordan Palmer, not a Jordan Palmer, a Carson Palmer event or or set of circumstances ends up maybe finding a way to get this guy out of town. I don't know. I just I don't think it's gonna. He he's not gonna cave in. That makes no sense to me. And we know how he, he operates and how much he's convicted with his statements and his actions. So I don't see anything yeah. like that changing. If Murphy is replying to Ken on the website, okay. <laughs> Do we really think any... he was he was replying to Ken? Yeah. It, yeah I don't even I don't know if he read the question. I think they just pasted <laughs> yeah. it in there. He probably told some, whoever runs the website, we got to get this yeah. on there. And they just found right. a place. But um, is that an indication to you that um, he maybe doesn't have the stomach for a long fight? Uh you know, to, to sit on this thing. Cause yeah. you know, to do that, I would think from afar that if any team could do that, it's green Bay, they're the Packers. I mean, they've got, their fans aren't going anywhere, right? They could really right. tick them off, but they're going to have a great fan base. They're going to have full stadiums. Right. You would think they, if, if any team could wait it out, they don't have some owner who's going to make them do something. Right. I mean, right. they could, nope. but is this, what do you, what do you think of that? Does this show us that maybe Murphy can't do it? I think it's again a, a, a first attempt to manage the message of yeah. maybe we're life without Aaron Rodgers. What it means in the end, I don't know. I, that's the way I took it. I took it as a little bit of a weakness in that we're going to start making excuses now for for why we may have to move off of Aaron Rodgers or pointing some of the blame toward him. Hey, both sides are to blame. There's no doubt about it. He says best things are this. This is a this is case only gets made worse when people talk publicly. Well, why is he saying that? Then he's I mean, talking oh, publicly. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah, talking yeah. publicly. So he's defeating his own cause. I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's 
we're going to find a lot. You know, we're going to see who has the biggest kahunas coming down the road here and and who's willing to stand by by what they've said in the past. Time will tell. I don't know. I I just – this one for me has just felt different from the start. This is Aaron Rodgers. For some reason, it's just felt different for me. So I don't have an answer how it's going to go in the end. But I just think he's going to be convicted beyond being reasonable. Uh, and and that could, you know, play out in in you know in a scenario that gets him out of town at some point. Yeah, if he's done, I can see him more than anybody, more than any player. You, you he's made whatever two hundred and some million. I think he's. I think if anybody would set it out, would, would sit it out. I mean, if Carson Palmer would, then Rodgers would to me. Here's the other thing. And the fines or the the loss of money, someone said, may total $20 million. Do you think the Denver Broncos, let's just say, for example, they ended up with him at the end. You don't think there would be a little redo of his contract where he regained his $20 million as part of the financial windfall that, you know, he just flushed down the toilet. Now he's getting it back. What's funny about that? Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say there's there's ways for him to get his twenty million back. That's for sure. That's what's all funny about that is you know we we've seen the contrast of how Brady sort of does things and handles his business. Um, got out of he got out of New England without having a bloodbath or you know what I mean. And th- that's with Belichick, but that shows you the owner the value of an owner there. But when Peyton Manning came to Denver, um, he actually put a cap on the bidding, the price. He didn't want to be perceived as just doing it as a as a money move, because, you know, Peyton, like those things matter, like your legacy or how you are perceived or how you conduct business or how people treat him. All those things matter. He actually said, this is what the number is going to be to everybody. And there was no bidding war. It's kind of a cool thing behind the scenes that uh, tells you a little bit about Peyton Manning. So, And the other thing is what will be interesting to follow. And I agree with you 100 percent. We had this happen years ago when we traded Rick Meyer from Seattle to the Bears. We had a deal done in place for a first-round pick. Well, Rick had to sign a new orchestrated contract before the deal happened. In this case, Marvin Demoff, well-respected, all-time great agent, he wouldn't make the deal with Chicago until we sent a fourth-round pick or something else to Chicago to consummate the deal so that they, Chicago could have another piece to really build around Rick in Chicago. Will, my question is, will that happen in this case? Like you said, at some point, will the quarterback, or in this case, Aaron Rodgers, say, well, I, I'm, let's cap what Denver's going to give. It behooves Aaron Rodgers to not have Denver give the kitchen sink for him because they're giving away more pieces to building the Broncos. So there's a couple different edges to this sword. It'll be interesting to see if any of these come into play. Yeah, no, it really would. Maybe think about like possible three team deals, you know, and multiple <laughs> yeah. quarterbacks moving, and um, yeah. it's wild, interesting stuff. Our last quarterback that's sort of in flux here is Deshaun Watson, and really has kind of gone away from the radar. I, I guess I take that as a re- read that maybe there's a settlement coming down um, the pipe, but there's going to be important dates for him too, you know, sure. and, and whether he shows up or not, there's money on the line, those sorts of things. It seems like the Texans really um, have sort of moved on to some degree. I mean, they're not talking about right. them. They're not doing mailbags, I guess, on the, on the Texans. <laughs> not website. yet, anyway. I give them credit. Don't blame we were, the fans. We were very hard on Cal McNair when he deserved it, but I got to give him credit. He's not doing mailbags on the, uh, the front of the website. So this is going to become a story again, Randy. What do you think happens? What are you sort of, how you, how you're reading it right now? Well, I think there's, I, I think that Texans have been rendered, innocent bystanders, right? I mean, there's really nothing they can do. They've, I think Nick Cesario has been, done a great job building their team considering the, you know, 
shit sandwich they've been dealt, so to speak, when he yeah. got there. You know, it's been a bad deal. And so he's yeah. put Deshaun Watson on the shelf. He's tried to build everything else up around him. They signed Tyrod Taylor. He drafted Davis Mills. So he's done what he can do. I think at some point, if I'm the only thing that's going to change the narrative, short of all these cases being settled legally, which I that's above my pay grade. I don't know how those are going to work out. If I'm Deshaun Watson, the only way I move the narrative forward is to maybe come to camp, right? Just walk in and say, hey, I'm ready to go. What happens then? <laughs> what happens? I mean, that could that change the way we're thinking and talking about this thing? He says, hey, I want to play. Let's go. What's the holdup? Well, obviously, the league would have something to say about it. The the team has had a dialogue with the league, I'm sure, on that investigation that the league, you know, launched uh, in parallel with the legal stuff that's happening in Houston. But I mean, if I'm if I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm probably going nowhere. I'm probably not going to get traded. I'm probably not even going to play this year. But I might might as well get some of my money back if I show up. Then at least it's going to be up for in a grievance factor if he gets paid anything. I just think that's maybe the only thing that happens where the narrative changes, so to speak. So if he, let's just say he gets a settlement, you know, where he doesn't have to admit too much, but it still is going to not look good, right? He, he settled it or whatever. Um, if he comes in, though, then he's signaling a, a willingness to play for the team, which he's sworn he doesn't want to do, um, which could make it hard for him to do that. It would also force the league to just make a decision, um, which they might do anyway, on whether he's going to be suspended um, right. six or ten games. This one's a little unprecedented. Like, I don't really have a good feel for, okay, there's been five other ones like this, so here's what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, most people won't leave the money on the table, ultimately, right? Um, most people won't. Yeah, and that's what I, I'm asking a question, really. What yeah. happens if he walks in? I don't know. Yeah. Then the teeter-totter, the money teeter-totter, which, which side does the money slide to, you know? Yeah, if he walks in, well, he gives himself the ability to make his money. Um Right. And then he also probably has to play. And, and for me, that's the best thing. That's probably that's probably not a bad thing for him to do. I mean, I think no. I think Deshaun Watson is always going to have value, uh, great value. But um, he can change the narrative by playing some good ball. You know, right. that's <laughs> you what, know, I, you know think what I mean. That's, yeah, and He's I don't know that he's going to get to play. I don't, I don't know if he's going to get to play. I look back and we talked about this earlier when Ben Roethlisberger had this brought against him in 2010, he got suspended by the league six weeks yep. for the one sexual assault case that never was prosecuted. This yeah. is a little bit to the 10th yeah. degree of that. So I don't see any way the league ever lets him play this year, but at least the clock is rolling, right? He can try to change the narrative and shake it up. I think if he sits tight, the league's going to come down. And he's not going to play ever this year. So he's just going to have to, I think, maybe consider shelving his own views, his own thoughts for a year. Maybe he has to to, to ice this whole year and come back next yeah. year and figure out where my play is. Then you know, if he knows I that he's know. not going to play there, then he could. He, then it doesn't matter if he reports, you know. Uh, but it could, unless the money, unless the money changes hands somehow, some way, right, right. That's the that's the element I think needs to be thought through. Is what happens to the bag of money, and and which side of the teeter totter does it slide down the rope to? Yeah. Randy, that's probably a wrap this week. My bad not having an Ask the GM question this week, but we'll probably have one next time. And speaking of next time, guys, I, th I think uh, we can assure you we'll be back when and if something happens on the Aaron Rodgers front or who knows in this league. Uh, there's almost always something good happen. We look forward to that. Hope you have a great summer in the meantime. <laughs>